0: You can be seated, welcome everybody, and welcome to those of you who are joining online. Um, my name is Reed Hauser, I'm not Pastor Mike, and I'm not Pastor Brian. <laughs> but um, I, we have got some ground to cover tonight, and uh, I am excited that you're here. Could you turn this down just a little bit? Um, because I think this is a, a word for each and every one of you here this evening. I've been praying for you and believing God for you and I know that God's got a word for you tonight. There is a spiritual war taking place in the world today. And I wonder if the church is ready for the battlefield. And I wonder, in some cases, if we even are conscious that it's happening. It's by no accidents that we are here today in this time to fight this battle in this place. We read about the men and women of old, in the Old Testament. You know, I've even thought to myself, gosh, if I was one of those guys, I would have done it different than they did. You know, I've thought that a lot. You know, but, the, but Jesus in, uh, in Matthew 23 said the same thing about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. In Matthew 23, 29, and 30, he says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. He called them hypocrites because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the uh, monuments of the righteous and say, if I'd have lived in those days, uh, the days of my fathers, I would have not been a partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. The question is, is what are we doing? Are we here just to take up space? Are we here to fulfill the call that God has for each and every one of us? We have to speak up and let our voices be heard. We have to take a stand in these days. It's not enough just to go to church. It's not enough just to pray. It's not enough just to read the word. We have to be vocal. We have to let our voices be heard. We can't be God-pleasers, we, we have to be God-pleasers, we cannot be man-pleasers. In, Gen- in Galatians 1.10 it says, for do I persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. This Paul's saying, if, if I was here just to serve men, then I'm not serving God, because you'll serve one or the other. You'll serve one or the other. We are stronger, than any evil force, any evil spirit, the stronger one lives on the inside of us. The lion of the tribe of Judah is inside of us and we need to let him roar. We need to let him out and be active in our lives. We need to let him guide and direct everything we do. I've been thinking quite a bit about this we do the things that appeal to us, the things that feel comfortable to us, but I wonder if we've contemplated the cost. I should chew on that one for a little bit. I'm gonna read some things that I, that I want to, uh, to, to cover is, that are very similar, at least in my mind, to what we're going through here now. I like World War II. My, uh, my great uncle um, fought in World War II. He landed in Normandy Beach, D-Day plus three, and, uh, and fought from Normandy all the way to Germany. And I have his full service record and copies of each one of his accommodations that he received, his unit accommodations and, and individual accommodations that he received uh, during the war. He never spoke too much about it. Um, You know, but uh, toward the end of his life, he opened up a little bit more and and began to share um, some of the things that he went through during World War II. But my studies of World War II are um, many many faceted. I I like to hear the true stories of what the men went through. But not only that, but what the people went through. And part of that was dealing with you know when Nazis came to power in the early 30s. And I wanna read you a section that I, that I found from the uh, Holocaust Encyclopedia that was put together by the Holocaust Museum. I don't know if you've ever been there. Uh, it's located in Washington, D.C. It is a very solemn um, place to go. They have actual artifacts of what took place uh, in those horrible events in Germany. But this is what it says. It says, most Christian leaders in Germany welcomed the rise of Nazism in 1933. They did not speak out against the hateful speech or violence. After 1933, most did not speak out against the legal measures that were uh, progressively stripping Jews of their rights. Some church leaders um, particularly within the higher higher, um, nationalistic German Christians, this was a sect, a group of them, there were uh, a movement within the Protestant church enthusiastically endorsed uh, the Nazi regime. Only a small minority of religious leaders, ministers, and priests, uh, usually in isolated parishes, spoke out against Nazi regime, gave Sunday sermons decrying the the persecution of the German Jews, provided aid and even hid Jews. Without the support of their leaders and institutions, the voices of dissent had little effect on the government policy. The church and the communities across Germany also facilitated the uh, implementation of racial laws by um, uh, providing uh, baptismal records as proof of non-Jewish lineage. Church responded to the persecution of Jews by uh, shaped tradition forms of religious anti-Semitism deeply rooted in Christian history within Germany. Clergy and church leaders were also influenced by the larger political and social trends in Germany after World War II, including the rise of nationalism, communism, and communistic movements. Churches viewed communism as an antithesis of, of Christianity and feared the communist revolution, particularly after the Bolshevik Revolution in 1917 in Russia, which led to the left-wing, left-wing revolutionary activities in Germany. The, um, the German Christians uh, wanted... Um, uh, wanted to conf- wanted to conform to Nazi ideology, they pr- uh, pushed the uh, the implementation of the state of Aryan laws within the churches. They changed the bylaws of the churches uh, to implement these Aryan, um laws within within the church, despite widespread atheism. And the enthusiasm of, of Nazism, most church leaders initially opposed the Aryan change, but uh, uh, to the ch- church policies because they contradicted traditional Christian perspective, t- and gave uh, and instead of a, and gave rise to the political th- ideology of the time. So basically, what we see is the world infiltra- infiltrating the church and the church conforming to it, and that's. Ex- exactly what's happening in some churches here in America. I, you know, I was looking at the Methodist um, website, and it's inundated with the, the woke um, you know, ideology. Uh, the Catholic church is being splintered, and other churches are being splintered. And instead of, instead of influencing the world, the world is influencing the church. You know, the gospel, you know, they, they do this in the name of love and not wanting to offend anybody, but the gospel is, was never meant to be non-offensive. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 through 39, it says, do not think, this is Jesus speaking, do not think that I came to being priests on the earth. I did not come to bring, bring peace, but the sword. For I've come to set man against his father, a daughter against his mother, her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will rise up be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And he who finds his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake shall find it. What is Jesus doing? He's, he's laying out the terms of the, 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 the gospel for us. It's, it's not to bring peace. It's, it, you know, and when we tell people the truth, they don't always wanna hear the truth. You know, how many of you in this room accepted Christ the first time you heard the word? How many of you have spoke to others and they give you the, you know, they give you the arm, I don't wanna hear it? How many times have we, have we seen that throughout our life where we've, you know, we've approached somebody and, and they either call us names or walk away or they, they reject what we have to say. But that should not deter us from the cause of Christ into preaching the gospel. That should never slow us down. We, it, it's always about giving them the truth. And let me ask you this, if we're concerned, more concerned about hurting someone's feelings as opposed to telling them the truth that will save their eternal life. You know, we've gotta, we've gotta prioritize there. It's about speaking the word of truth. And so what is the truth? Well, Matthew 10, 34 through 39 or excuse me, John three sixteen says it very eloquently. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. And verse 17 says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but through him might be saved. In Romans 10:8 through 13, it says, but what does it say? The word is nigh you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach that if you confess your mouth, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the, one, with the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whosoever believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between the Jew or the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to those who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord to be saved, shall be saved. That scripture right there, when I heard that, that haunted me when I, was, when I first heard the gospel. I was, you know, a teenager in high school and um, my, uh, my sister asked me to, to go out to uh, dinner. She said, you'll take me out to, f-. I said, food, no problem. My girlfriend was busy at the time. And so I said, yeah, I'll go with you. So it's free lunch, right? So I went, but um, she didn't really tell me until we kind of got there. Oh, by the way, this is a full gospel businessmen's meeting. I go, okay. So we got in there, and there was a gal. Her name was Sandy Brown. And she gave her testimony about how God had changed her life. Upside down. And this is one of the last scriptures that she said. That I remember this distinctly during that meeting. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord to be saved shall be saved. And it just it just stuck with me. And then she came up later and talked to me. And then this building wasn't here then, but the old building, uh, the, excuse me, the youth building was over. You know, was basically at the time there was there was no carpet, at least as I remember, there was. I remember having, I think there was plastic on the walls. The pudding was on the north side and uh, it was made out of wood, yeah. And um, so Sunday morning um, we came and um, she had an altar call. I put my hand up, put it right back down. Uh, Terrell was there, Terrell Clon was there. He comes up, did you raise your hand? I go, no. sure you didn't raise your hand? I go, no. <laughs> I saw your hand up. I don't know. So I denied him three times right there. <laughs> and um, but that night I came back and um, the Holy Spirit got a hold of me that night and changed my life forever but it took me three times to hear the gospel we cannot forget that everybody is different everybody hears things differently but it's the same Holy Ghost and it's the same word and that word has power and that that power will change people's lives. And we have to be, we have to stick with it. We have to be persistent with them and not ignore what they say, ignore what they do, but, but and preach and share the, the, the loving God that he is with them and the word, it's the word that will change them. It's the word that will set them free. It will, it's the word that will soften their heart. It's the word that will bring them to Christ. That's, that's what the world needs is the word. It needs the word. Now, one thing I I go back going back to um, the story about in Germany. Um, there was a, there was one there was one guy. Um, his name was uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer. I don't know if you're a historian or not. If you've ever read his read about him, uh, but he publicly opposed Nazism and the racism, and and um, for many years he taught underground uh, other church leaders. Uh, who would listen and follow him, uh, how to lead churches, how to, how, to, you know, how to preach the gospel and how to hide and that kind of stuff. Well, eventually he got found out. And um, those who publicly opposed the Nazis were imprisoned or killed, and he was one of them. On April 9th, 1945, uh, he was hung for conspiracy against the uh, Nazi regime. Well, it cost him his life, but he made an impact that's still being felt today. One man can make a difference, one woman can make a difference. Yeah. But it's us up to us to, to take that stand and allow God to work through us. It's not about us, it's not about our ability, it's not about our past. Mm-hmm. It's about the God who's on the inside of us. Yeah. Good. It's about allowing him to work through us. We say, well, you don't know what I've done, you don't know where I've been, you don't know all the things that I've been through. Well, you know, the Bible says that when we accept Christ, old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. Not some things, not a few things, not the things we, you know, think are okay, and not the bad, really bad stuff. No, all things are new. Because Jesus didn't cover our sin, He took our sin and washed us white as snow. He cleansed us. We're new creatures, new creation in Him. So I ask you, are we influencing the world or is the world influencing us? One thing I've been thinking also about is, you know, these last days, there's a lot of stuff going on. You turn on the TV, turn on the radio, (laughs) it's all over. You know, just crazy stuff. Just absolutely crazy stuff going on. Stuff that, you know, even 10 years ago, you would have never thought would be happening, is happening now. You know, the world is, is really, in some regards, being turned upside down from at least what we're, what we're used to. And, you know, the reason I brought up the World War II, there's a lot of parallels that happened during that time period centering around the church because the Nazi leaders went out to the churches to get their buy-in, to get their support, to get their help. And like I told you, there's a lot of churches today, they're acquiescing to the world, they're acquiescing, acquiescing to the message, they're, but that message is, is a de- demonic message. It really is. But they're, but they're allowing the world to come in and impact them for fear, for fear of being ridiculed, for being free or called names, or whatever. We can't let that deter us, you know, just because somebody calls us a name, you know, we can't allow that to deter us from ministering the gospel and telling them the truth. We should not fear these last days. Fear should not be a part of our life these last days. We are here for a purpose. We are here for a reason. You are here for a purpose and a reason, a destiny that God has on you, or your life to reach those around you. God didn't put you back in the Middle Ages. God didn't put you back in the Old Testament times, the New Testament times. He puts you here for a reason. We should not fear our destiny. We should not fear the thing that God has, has put before us, the job we have to do. Again, I, you know, I think back to the early days of World War II when the United States got in got involved after the bombing of, World, of, of um, Pearl Harbor on December 7th. The next week, or the next, the next uh, that was on Sunday, on Monday they dec- we declared war. Then, then millions of Americans rushed to join the service. They ran to the battle. That was their time and they are known for the greatest, as the greatest generation. We have to run to the battle. This is our battle. This is our fight. This is where we take a stand. This is where we stand up. And it's not with an M1 Garand or a BAR. Ours is the word of God that is sharper than any two-edged sword that can pierce the hardest heart. That's our weaponry. It's the word and the love and the anointing that God has given us to fulfill the call that's on us. You know, we take a look back at, um, we take a look back at Israel and the many mistakes they made the many things they, f- they fell into. They were an example to us. I believe that if, you know, that we have to be a, a student of history or we're destined to make the same mistakes that they did. And I think by taking a look at the parallels of the Old Testament, and the parallels of the things that they did and the things that they fell in and look at our own lives to guard against those things, to not be subtly drawn in to the lie of the devil. So many times the Israelites would reject God and they would run after the gods of the uh, of the people of the land that they were living in, well, they were they were they were uh, not just accepting other gods; they were rejecting God. They were rejecting uh, and turning into the world. They were they were um, um, they were turning to uh, to the to idols. And the Bible says, when you worship idols, you worship devils. But they weren't just rejecting or just accepting that. They were rejecting God. They were rejecting his power, his, his, his blessing. They were rejecting his, his, his protection, his presence. They were rejecting him. We need to guard against and protect our hearts from the ideology of the world, from the subtleties of the world, and the, the subtleties of, of the lies. So many times they, they um, like I said, the, the, the uh, children of Israel ran after idols. Well, do we have idols today? Well, the idols today probably don't look like stone figures or wood figures, or groves as they were called in the Old Testament, but I dare say that we probably have, not this group, but there are idols today (laughs) that look more like, well, let me just ask you this. What is it you run to in your hour of need? What is that thing that brings you comfort? What is that thing that you turn to when you are restful, when you, you know, there's the world's, you know, the day's gone wrong, what do you turn to, what is that thing? What is it? If it's not God, good chance it might be an idol. And so this is a time to reflect, you know, on our own lives and see what, what, what am I doing? Who am I serving? What am I giving my time to? Who am I allowing, my, what am I allowing into my heart? What am I allowing to, to control me? What am I allowing to, to, to influence me and in taking stock of our lives? You know, the, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 12, three, and uh, it says, this is God talking to the children of Israel. He says, and you shall destroy their altars and break up their sacred pillars and burn their wooden images with fire. And you shall cut down the carved images of their gods and destroy their names from the place and you shall not worship the Lord your God with these things." Why? They were worshiping devils. They were worshiping idols. In Kings 2, uh, uh, 2 Kings um, ten twenty seven, And they broke down the sacred pillar of Baal and tore down the temple of ba- Baal and made refuge uh, and made it a refuse dump to this day. They make it a dunhill. That's what they did. Poured poop on it. <laughs> Second Chronicles twenty three, seventeen. And all the people went into the temple of Baal and tore it down, and broke up the pieces of the altars, and they killed Matan, the priest of Baal, before the altars. Have there been, this is a question. You know, we're talking kind of about idols and influence and all that kind of stuff. Have there been long-term issues that you've been dealing with? Have there been things that you just, you know, have been dealing with over time? Well, listen, it's not God. And sometimes we, like I said, we need to be a little self, uh, do a little self-inspection about those things and consider, you know, where's my life at? What's my relationship with God? Because God is not the problem. God is not the problem. He's the answer. So many times when we, we seek him, it's like, well, God heal me. Didn't work. That's that's not that's not seeking God. We are to we are to, to, to seek him and set our, set our faces toward him and pursue him. You know, if there's things going on in your life, you know, Jane and I have done this, we've, we've, we've looked at our lives and said, God, we, we repent for not putting you first. We repent of whatever it was because we wanna serve him and this relationship will impact all of these relationships, but this relationship has to be, has to be first for these to work. And if this relationship isn't right, that's what it needs to be fixed. So if there's things in your life that you've been dealing with, take a look at your life. Take a look at your relationship with God. Surrender, just like the song says, surrender. Repent, turn from those ways and turn back to God. You know, our our actions have consequences. But so do our inactions. You know, it took one man to change the world forever, and that was Jesus. One man changed history and is still changing the world today. One person, and he lives in you. But inactivity, in, you know, also has, imp, imp, um, also has consequences. In, sec, in Samuel um, fifteen twenty two, it says, Samuel said to King Saul, has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as to obey the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed the, um, than the fat of lambs. For rebellion is a sin of witchcraft and stubbornness and iniquity uh, as is iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. What did Saul do? Saul didn't obey the, the Lord. He, he, he did what he thought was right. He wanted to do it his way and he turned from God. He did not feel, fulfill what God had called him to do and God rejected him as being king. God's not going to reject you. <laughs> he wants us to draw near to him. But we take the step, first step, the Bible says, if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. Well, what does that look like? That means getting on our knees and, and seeking him. And that's not just once, that's regularly. When I was going to college, um, I, um, I taught, um, I had a Bible study um, uh, that I started my sophomore year in college. I started with me and one other person. And um, I I knew I was so young in the Lord, I had been saved maybe about a year or so. And, but I knew enough that in order for this to work, it wasn't gonna be me, because I didn't know enough for it to work. So I started, I dedicated an hour every evening to pray. So I went over to the chapel, which is right across the sidewalk or right across the way from my my dorm. And I spent um, an hour every night seeking God for an hour of prayer. Now, did I feel anything? No, not really. Did I you know, have any big experiences while I was praying? No. But I tell you as I continued down that path, the Bible studies began to change and the anointing of God showed up. And when we started with me and one other person became about 35 to 40 people on a regular basis and I don't know how many kids got saved but by the end of my sophomore year, Uh, We had a concert. Leon Patello came to our campus for a concert and everyone on my floor except one person got saved. Now, I give God all the glory for that because that's the Holy Spirit working through you or me in that case to reach the people. You know, I think sometimes we confuse you know, well, we want something big to happen. We want some, you know, some big feeling or something. Listen, it's about a relationship. My wife and I have been married for 37 years. We've built a relationship over those years. It's spending time with, with her, it's spending time with God. It's spending time in the Word. That's what makes the difference. That's what changes people's life. That's what they're looking for. Whether they realize it or not, whether they understand what they're looking for, they have a God-sized hole on the inside of them that only he can fill. That you're trying to fill with so many other things, drugs, sex, whatever it is. And it can never be filled except by God. That's why it's so important for us to do what Jesus said, to go into all the world, to preach the gospel to every creature. Lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It's not about us. It's not about our past. It's not about uh, how good we've been. It's about the power of God and his word. And God always honors his word, always, Always, always honors his word. Always. So, what's holding us back? Is it our self perception? You know, listen, I have made my share of stupid mistakes and still do. But I can't dwell on the mistakes. Because if we begin to dwell on everything we've done in the past, I mean, who wouldn't get depressed? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, if that's what we're looking, about, looking at is all, of, all the things we've done wrong over the, over the years, I mean, it would paralyze a person. It's not about our past. So what's holding us back? Is, is it the way we think others perceive us? Is it about what others have told us we are? I, I had a teacher when I was in junior high, looked me square in the eye and says, you'll never, you'll never go to college, you'll never do it, you'll never make it. She sold that to me. I'm going, I proved her wrong. I went to four colleges. <laughs> Hey, I took a weird path, but I got there. (laughs) I'll tell you about it sometime. (laughs) I got my degree. But I didn't listen to her. Is it social pressure? You know, what is it that's holding us back? Because God wants to change our lives. Because like I said, he's got a purpose for us. In First John four it says, "Ye are of God, little ones, and you have over and, and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world." We are not here to embrace the ph- fantasies and philosophies of the world. We are here to to embrace God and His Word, and then take that Word to a lost and dying world. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 4, 7, 14, it says, if my people are called by name, will humble themselves. What's the first thing we gotta do? Is humble ourselves before God. Humble ourselves. I tell you what, there are some people who who act very um, humble, but when you challenge them, they get angry. That's not humility. That's not humility. That's a false humility but humbling ourselves and recognizing that he is Lord. Lord means boss. Lord means boss and humbling ourselves before him. And it says, and pray and seek my face. So who's doing all the doing here in this scripture? We are. And then what does it say, when we humble ourselves and we seek our face and we turn from our wicked ways, and then what does it say, then God comes into the scene. Then he says, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I'll heal their land. This is the formula, humbling ourselves before him. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 6, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. Who does the humbling? We do. I tell you what, it's better that we humble ourselves than him humble us. In Isaiah 50 um, verse seven it says, for the Lord will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint and I know that I will not be ashamed. The prophet set his face like flint to know God, to seek Him, to seek His face. And it wasn't just one time. It wasn't just when it felt good or just when I had a problem. It's seeking Him, to know Him, seeking Him to have a relationship with Him. I tell you what, God is faithful. God has been so faithful in our lives over the years. It's it's amazing to me how faithful he is. Even when I'm not faithful, he is faithful. Even when I make mistakes, he's faithful. Even when I miss it, he's faithful. And if he'll do it for me, he'll do it for you. But it's us taking the first step examining our lives, laying our lives down, humbling ourselves before him, confessing our sins if that's the case, and seeking his face. I've got a video that I wanna show you real quick.
1: This occurred. Evangelist Anderson, come forth and give an account of your stewardship on earth. E- evangelist? evangelist Anderson, I am not an evangelist. I am an accountant. I I, I, I I had an accounting firm. I had a- Evangelist Anderson. Where are the three hundred forty-seven thousand? five hundred and sixty six souls I called you to impact in Asia son where are they I, I, I'm, an, I'm an accountant I, I had an accounting firm I, I I helped churches I helped ministries with their their, their finances son I, where are the three hundred and forty seven thousand five hundred and sixty six souls in Asia I called you to impact son where are they had you sought me, had you sought my face, I would have revealed this to you. And everything in regards to that man's call was burnt up before the judgment seat of Christ. Accountant Jones, step forward and give an account of your stewardship. Accountant Jones, no, I, no, I pastor for Jones. 35 years. I, I, I had a, a membership of 750 people uh, Accountant Jones, I called you to the marketplace. Had you done this, you would have significantly impacted two people. You and those two men would have helped churches with their finances, and those churches would have impacted 751,321 souls. If you would have sought me, I, I would have revealed this to you. Again, in regards to this man's calling, everything he's done in life would be burned up before the judgment seat of Christ. Sister Smith, come forth and give an account of your stewardship. three children. I I never preached to, to nations. I, I never even been on a, a missionary trip. I, I only tried my hardest to raise my children in your way. Sister Smith, I never called you. I never called you to go to other countries on missionary trips. I called you to raise three children. And let me show you the 1,579,541 souls those three children impacted. You sold me heard my voice you were obedient to my call well done my good and faithful servant enter into the joy of your Lord so remember in regards to the calling that's on your life you won't be judged according to what you did You will be judged according to what you were called to do.
0: It's so much bigger than us. And it's so much more important than us. Don't be caught fixated on yourself. Allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you, to show you and to guide you to what he's called you to do because it's, mo- it's more about him than it is us and it's so, so, so much bigger then what can we can imagine let's bow our heads i know most of you here tonight but maybe you have had a glimpse of your life maybe god's been speaking to your heart about changes that need to be made Tonight, God can meet you right where you sit. He can change you right where you are. If you're willing to humble yourself before Him tonight, if you're here and you may say, God, I need to repent. Just slip up your hand and put it right back down. If there's anybody here tonight says, yeah, that's me. Says, listen, it's... Well, listen, let's, let's pray, and then, um, and then we'll go from there. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight and we commit ourselves to you. Father, I lift up each person and ask that by the Holy Spirit you begin to move in their lives like you've never done before. That they have eyes to see, ears to hear your voice and your will for their life for such a time as this. Father God, let this moment, let this small speck of time be a line in the sand where their life takes a different path to follow after you like never before. Father, we give you all the praise, we give you all the glory, we give you all the honor we magnify you tonight, Father God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Amen. But we've—it's just a little bit after four. But if there's anybody in here, um, maybe you want prayer. Um, we would love to pray with you. Just take a couple minutes. Uh, ask my wife to come up and. If you want us to agree with you about anything, if you need healing in your body, if you need, you know, whatever it may be, um, we would love to agree with you. So I'm going to give um, just an opportunity for you to come forward right now, if you, if that's you, um, and we'll we'll agree with you tonight, and God will change your life. He'll fix whatever's wrong, because the Bible says that that Jesus took the stripes on His back. He paid the price for our healing. The Bible also says that He sent His his word and he healed them. By his stripes, we have been made whole. And that is complete wholeness, not just physical, that's emotional, that's mental, physical, everything. Financial, whatever it is, shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. Okay. Well, that's great. um, We're going to go ahead and take up an offering this evening. So if uh, the ushers could come.